Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Our gospel lesson is from Gospel of John, which we have been reading from uh, for the past number of weeks, uh, and this is uh, continuing Jesus' long discourse after supper on that evening uh, with his disciples at their, uh, at their last supper, and this is getting toward the end uh, of his time uh, around the table with them before they head out uh, into the garden. Uh, and this is Jesus' prayer for his disciples. And so hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words from John's Gospel. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Here ends the reading. And thanks be to God. I tell you, that's one of those passages that when reading out loud, you really got to follow along with your finger to... Keep track of where you are and all of the you and me and me and you and they and me and me and them. and It's like a, a Beatles song, I'm the walrus. <laughs> anyway, I, there's this phrase in this prayer that may seem familiar, that they may all be one. That they may all be one. That might, uh, might ring a bell to you or seem familiar, and it could be because we have certainly read the scripture here uh, before, so you've more than likely heard it uh, in church, but you may also recognize it because it was also on the front page of the bulletin this morning. If you look, you will see, see it in, uh, in that logo. It's right there in the logo of our denomination, and you've probably seen it whenever you've seen our denomination's logo, uh, symbol of the United Church of Christ, uh, that phrase is, is right there. We've got uh, you know, the UCC logo as the cross for Christ and the crown ruler of all and the earth there. But then this phrase, that they may all be one, that is the motto of the United Church of Christ. And it really suits us. It suits us who we are and who we have been through history, going, going back you know, 400 plus years that we have been around. For we are, um, in the United Church of Christ, we're part of a, it's kind of a a movement, let's say a a somewhat informal movement. It's not a particularly organized or 
specific movement, but a movement that's been called the United and Uniting Church movement that's been going on for quite a while uh, around the world. And it's a movement mostly within churches, denominations that are in the Reformed tradition. So if you take Protestant Reformation and then take out the Lutherans and you have the rest of the Reformed churches, Calvinists, uh, it's mostly these Reformed churches that have been part of this united and uniting movement, although there's some Lutheran churches involved uh, and, uh, and some others that fall out of that, uh, out of that fold. But the, the, the tradition of... Uh, Church traditions that have either merged, which certainly the United Church of Christ is, we're ultimately the merger of four denominations that came together in 1957. Uh, So there's some that have literally merged together to form new bodies or also just a lot of ecumenical partnerships. Uh, We believe very much uh, in this phrase that they may all be one, that we as Christians are called to work together, to be together uh, and to do things together as as Christians, again, you know, our our Wisconsin conference here, we have partnerships with uh, with two foreign uh, church bodies: the United Reformed Church of England, which is a merger uh, of a number of traditions, and we send pastors there every year, and they send someone here every year. And I think it was probably four or five years ago we had a pastor uh, and his wife that had come over, and he preached here. Uh, one Sunday, and his wife was a teacher, so she went with uh, Nancy Wenton, toured Roosevelt School one day, and so we have that partnership, and then we have a partnership with the Evangelische Kirchgemeinschaft, I think that's right, in uh, Germany, uh, which is also a, a merger of some Reformed churches, and we send people there, and they send people here, uh, and uh, that gospel choir that Charlene has been part of, the Wisconsin Conference Gospel Choir, is part of that partnership. They've sent choirs here, we've sent choirs there, uh, and people back and forth. We believe very much uh, in this prayer here that they may all be one, that we are united in spirit, even if our denominations believe some different things or worship differently or do some things differently, we're still one in Christ, and we're driven by this thought that Jesus' hope for us and for his followers was that we be one, that we be one as his followers. Even if it doesn't mean that all church traditions merge together into one uh, mega worldwide church, doesn't necessarily mean, mean that, but it does mean united in terms of getting along and respecting one another uh, and following Jesus' call to love the world and to heal the sick and to feed the hungry and to help those who are in need, that even if we worship differently or do some things differently, the call is the same. There's a, a phrase that's been around for a long time, you may have heard, that says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, diversity, and in all things, charity. That we don't have to be exactly alike to work together or to be together. And I also believe that Jesus' desire in this, in this prayer here was not just for his disciples to be one. But I think there's also a sense in this prayer that Jesus is praying for all people to be one, for all of creation for all of God's people to be one people, which may not necessarily mean a one-world government or that we're all united in one nation or even one 
uh, one church, but united in mutual love and respect for one another. That we care for one another. You know, Jesus was the Prince of Peace. One of his many titles, and I would think he would want peace among all of his people. That's what I get from reading scripture anyway, is that it's peace. Peace as an end to violence between nations uh, and peoples, uh, and even the end of that dysfunctional strife within families or within communities, that we be more gentle with one another. Peace as a way of life. And today is, is Mother's Day, and Mother's Day originally... Julia Ward Howe, this began as a pacifist anti-war movement. It was a movement of peace so that mothers would not have to see their sons die anymore or be sent off to kill. It was a movement of peace. And peace as a way of life is certainly part of that is to agree not to fight or or do violence with one another, which doesn't mean that we can't argue or have debates or have differences with one another, but it, it, it shapes how we have those discussions and how we have those debates in mutual respect uh, for one another. But I think uh, this true peace that they may all be one is, is much more than just not fighting with one another or not doing violence against another but goes beyond to actively help one another, to be cheerleaders for one another, to want the best for your neighbors, not just for yourself or for the people around you, but for people that you have no relationship with, people that you really have no reason to wish the best for. True peace is to wish uh, for the best for everyone, to strive to lift up all people, not just yourself, but all people, And a way of being one with our neighbors. A way of being one that refuses slavery or oppression on others. Even if it means we might have to pay more for our clothing or for our food for them to be liberated and raised up. A way that refuses to let others live in poverty or or to allow a neighbor to go hungry or to allow a child to go without an education that they may all be one. This form of peace and oneness that's an an acknowledgement that we're all in this together. None of us are separate from another. We're all in it together. We are our brother's keepers, and we are our sister's keepers. We are our neighbor's keepers. No matter who they are, we are the keepers of our neighbors in Syria and North Korea, our neighbors in Boston and Newtown, we are their keepers. We are the terrorist keepers and the victims of terrorist keepers. We are for all people, those who make war and those who are pacifists, Muslims and atheists, we are all their keepers. People in Altoona and Chippewa Falls, Vikings fans, we are their keepers as well. We're all in it together. As frustrating as that can be sometimes. We're in it together. 
That's Jesus' prayer, that they may all be one. That we live together in commonality to at least at a minimum, and I've heard this is often the start of, dip- of diplomacy, this minimum standard, can we at least get both sides to recognize that the other side has the right to exist? If we can get to that point, we can move forward. At least recognize that the other has a right to exist at a minimum. Although I will say that Jesus doesn't like us to just sit at the minimum place. Jesus calls us to maximize, to go beyond. You know, and it costs Jesus his life to demand that we seek more than just being at the minimum of being one. You know, think of this uh, story in Acts when Paul heals uh, or this girl uh, or brings us, this girl who had divination who was being used, he brings her into the community at cost to her livelihood in a sense and the cost of the livelihood of the people that owned her, but she was restored to wholeness in that act. You know, it can be costly, And Jesus paid a great cost for believing that. And so we can take it quite seriously to go above the minimum, to go way above, as far above that minimum as we might think is beyond reasonable to go. And to go beyond reasonable until it seems utterly reckless how far that we have gone. And then until it is gone to the point where we dare go no further. And then once we're at that point where we dare to go no farther, then we're at the starting point. Then we're ready to begin to take it as far as it ought to go. We're ready then to take it far enough because if we only go as far as we dare, we're not risking anything. And if we're not risking, then we haven't gone far enough. We're not fully following Jesus' call. If there's not something at risk in how far we go, that they may all be one. It's a great prayer and a great motto for a denomination like ours that has fought so much for justice and for inclusion of all people and tolerance and building up all people. Great motto for any people who would be daring or foolish enough to want to follow a guy who went to the cross and beyond. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.